Hi, babe. Huh. I was wondering, do you know any podcasts where there are two hosts and they both have a soundboard? Nope. So, like, if I could have my own sound? Oh, yes. Well, Office Hours has two soundboards. But does Vic control one? Vic controls one and Doug controls one. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. So, I do. Yep. But we could be the only one with two hosts. Dueling soundboards. Dueling soundboards. That's why I... Doinks? That's what I envision. Doinks? You know where that's from? No. Doinks? Sexualizing children. (laughs) Glenn Beck. (laughs) He said doinks? Yeah. Doinks? Was that like a cut down on people, these doinks? I have no idea. Yeah, it's in reference to some sort of, I'm assuming, pedophile conspiracy. You know, he's he's one of these people where it's like you can't always do this, but looking at him, you're like, that guy has some very bizarre beliefs. Mm-hmm. I can tell just by looking at how bloated he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So, I was telling you a story, and I stopped because you asked me. In order for the for it to be a good enough story for the podcast i think it has Mm -hmm. to be able to ask at least one question about the story okie dokie and so i think our i think this is good enough for the podcast because you asked one question i was like oh hold on right and so we now we're in we put it on ice (laughs) we're on podcast territory now if you just let me tell the whole story yeah then we could just move on but um i was telling you how my son had the classic prank pulled on him where somebody one of his friends pulled the seat out from under him yeah and he sat just directly on his tailbone Mm -hmm. and i was telling you how he's at home right now and just every move he makes he's like ooh, Mm -hmm. oh (sighs) he'll just Transition on the couch. Like, just shift his body weight and be like, Mm -hmm. And I feel like, on the one hand, I'm not minimizing the potential of his injury at all. Right. Part of me is like, should I be at the ER with him right now just to check, (laughs) you know? Well, there's a bigger part of me that's like, he's fine. Right. I've had worse. Yeah. You would be worried if it was your grandmother who that happened to. Exactly. Well, I told you for some reason I watched a few videos of people falling, and yeah. they are—they're shocking. It's yeah, shocking right. to see an adult just fall on the ground. Right. At our age, it is an actual big deal. Yes. So, but number one, and, and I told him this, I was like, it—it it, it makes me. What's well, right? It doesn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. But to see him respond so, to, to hear him articulate every little pain that he has associated with this <laughs> vocally and just to want to let me know how much pain he's in, I was like, it makes me feel good that you 
that you think this is the most pain you've ever been in. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I always feel like it shows what a good job I've done as a right. dad. You've lived a privileged life. Yes. Yeah. If sitting on the ground has made made you going on like hour five of like, right. when you're just walking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done a very good job because again, at his age, I think I'd broken a few bones by then and yeah. just like, yeah, had, had more. Right. Now you asked me a question. How specifically did you word it? Cause I wanted to talk about that. Well, yeah, I'm not, I can't remember how I worded it, but I was expecting the story to be more about, emotional damage than physical right. damage right because having your friend play a prank on you can be for me maybe this explains a lot <laughs> i had a friend growing Emotionally. up darren we lived across the street from each other and we were friends all the way up until literally the first day of first grade we're friends we're hanging out we're playing with our toys together all the time we get into first grade, and on the first day, we're, like, introducing ourselves. Tell us something about yourself. What Show us a skill or whatever, like a talent show almost type of deal. <laughs> so Darren goes up. Day one talent show? Day one. That's intense. And Darren was a little bit bigger than me, and he asks me to come up during his thing, and his talent is he, like, grabs me by the shoulder and trips me and throws me to the ground. Right? In front of all of first grade. He does like a takedown. Yeah, that was his talent. And I got like, I remember getting like a rug burn. But from that point forward, I was like, you know what? This friend thing, maybe not for me. Yeah, wait, friend, so you were off friends altogether? Yeah, it took me a while. It took me a while, probably until middle school. I was like, all right, now I'll I'll look for another friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the teacher was were they the teacher does not care, no. Good takedown, Darren. Yeah. It was probably one of those things where it's like, oh, that's not really uh, you know what I mean? Had he done that to you before? Was that like No, completely out of nowhere. No idea where it came from. Just I'm gonna take down my buddy. Yeah. And and after that, was he cool? Like he kind of knew he's like, Yeah, I'm kind of done with that kid anyway. Or was he No, like, yeah, I don't oh, think Justin, I'm so yeah, sorry, he didn't, man. No, no, no. There was definitely no apologies. I don't think he thought it was that big of a deal. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I was being a baby, but it made me mad. But that was a, that's what I was expecting more along those lines. I was not expecting the physical side of it to be bigger than the emotional side of it. But it sounds like he took it like it was just a prank between friends, it which was, also makes sense. It, it was also one of those things as a parent where that was my immediate concern, too. Right. But I didn't want to come out and be like, did you cry? Like, right. you know, I, you, you want to ask tactfully. So I asked, I was like, how did well, you? You also don't want to imply something that he may not have thought of, right? Exactly. Don't, you don't want to put that thought in his brain where he's like, oh, was this something bigger? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do they do this a lot to you? Are these really your friends? Right. Like. <laughs> So the way that I worded it, I said, so how did you, what did you do? How, mm-hmm. how did, I don't even think I asked how did you respond. I said, what did you do? And this just is an insight into my son. But he goes, well, I, I just walked slower than everybody for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> 
and told my friends to wait up. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. What? Not, not what? Right. What was the outcome for the rest of the day right. for you? But in, in the, the moment, moment, yeah. How did, how did you, he said, oh, uh, you know, I just, I said, ow, and they immediately helped me up. My friend was apologizing. Mm-hmm. And Indy didn't do a great job of explaining it to me, but I believe him. I don't know how this makes sense, but I believe it. He's like, oh, he didn't know that I was going to sit down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's kind of the whole point of the trick. Yeah. Is that you know the person is going to sit down. Right. That sounds like a a kid who realized this his prank was maybe a little a little harsher than he thought it was going to be. And so he's looking for a way out of it. Oh, I didn't think you were going to sit down. It was an accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I'm literally I'm trying to piece it together because he came home when I was working. So I got the shortened version, then I came over here mm-hmm. earlier. So I haven't had time to <clears throat> really probe. But it sounds to me like, because he said, I stole my friend's seat. Mm. So Indy stole his friend's seat. Mm-hmm. And his friend moved his seat. Then his other friend came back. And so he just got up and went back to his own seat. His friend had moved. It. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, like, was it just like a he hopped in and the kid was like, you're my seat. He's like, oh, and he goes to hop back and the mm. and the chair, the other friend was like, oh, I'll just move this over here. Mm-hmm. Or was it? Because then he said, like, his friend apologized throughout the whole day and felt really bad. Mm-hmm. But, again, it doesn't make sense. If it was a prank. That's the other thing that w- I have to try and figure out a lot with Charlotte is, like, how much of this is literally true and how much of it is being filtered through Charlotte brain. You know what I mean? And do I have to sort of try and, like, turn my head to get a different perspective on to actually understand what happened? Right. Right. Like we had one day a couple months ago where Charlotte, not a day, a week, Charlotte's coming home every day and she's genuinely upset. And she's like, the kids in my class keep being bad. And so my teacher takes recess away from us and we never get to go on recess and da 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 da. And she's genuinely frustrated and torn up about this. And she's telling us this every day for a week. So eventually, Julia emails her teacher and is like, hey, just wanted to check in. Charlotte's been telling us this, blah, 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 blah. The teacher emails us back and she's just like, oh, they haven't lost recess. I'm trying to give them like an optional five minutes at the end of the day to go outside and have recess if they, you know, are quiet for a certain amount of time and they haven't been able to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, okay, so... Sometimes we have to be like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to be like, okay, how much of this is literally true? Right. And, and experientially true. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think he, he seems to have handled it well. Uh, You know, I was like, did you walk home from school day? He said, yeah. And I was like, then you're fine. But we'll see. Mm. Because every, I mean, just, Every move. <laughs> yeah. He didn't miss a chance. Just, oh. Right. oh. That might be a cousin thing, too, because Charlotte is also like that. I don't, I feel like Chloe might be like that. Sophia's not really like that, but they have their own sort of language and their own sort of, like, 
behaviors that are like unique to that cousin group. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. I, that's also one of those injuries. When I was a kid, I used to have this belief that if you pushed on bruises, Mm -hmm. that the pain, you push the pain out basically. Yeah. And that was one of those, I was like, oh man, if I was him, I told, I'd just be pressing on my tailbone. Mm Mm-hmm. The whole time right now. Just push that, that still makes sense to me on like a guttural level. And whenever I do have something that hurts, my initial instinct is to make it hurt more because eventually the hurt will leave my body <laughs> because I'll have used all of the hurt up. Yep. Like, uh, you know, I guess I'm in like a Trump territory where you only have a certain amount of whatever he said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, that's how I, I get migraines. I used to get them as a kid, but I wouldn't take medicine for them. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it, now that we're talking about this, part of it, I think, is because my migraine works in such a way that, it, like, it will crescendo and then immediately dissipate. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that crescendo would usually be me vomiting. You're right. Once I vomited, whatever is causing the, the migraine was done. And for some reason, that riding that out made more sense to me than like taking medicine. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I would just be like, oh, here comes another migraine. And then I'd just go in my room, lay down. Sometimes I could sleep through it. Mm-hmm. But i just lay there. The pain would get intense. I'd vomit and then be like, let's go back <laughs> outside, you know? <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, you were there. You you got to see that. Mm-hmm. Remember, when we were driving. Or we were driving to Virginia, right from Ohio. We were driving to. F- I thought Florida from Virginia. Maybe we were driving somewhere. Well, we did that leg, right? Didn't we drive from Ohio to Virginia to Florida one time? Yes. It also happened when we went to see the cell. It did. Mm-hmm. And did I tell you? I think so. No. Maybe eventually. Did I tell you what what happened? I You went into the bathroom and threw up, right? I didn't make it to a toilet, though. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't remember that. I felt so bad. <laughs> I made it into the bathroom. <laughs> I threw up all over the floor uh-huh. and then just as quickly ran, ran back out. <laughs> Ran back into the movie theater and sat down. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I was so excited for that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But you, I want to say, still give me grief about my the way I throw up. <laughs> which I think is completely inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, there's certain, like, lines that friends shouldn't cross. Uh-huh. And... Making fun of the way one of them vomits <laughs> to me is, hey, you know what? It feels like I'm in first grade again. Sure. I mean, look, there's nothing you can do to, there's, you can't help it, I guess. But at the same time, some things are just funny. You got to be able to laugh at yourself, right? There's plenty of other things that you can laugh at. The way I throw up is deadly serious to me. You know, the real tragedy here is I 
That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got ambitious the other day, and I was like, let me rearrange all these drops into a way that's like more logical. And I'm thinking like I'm going to have the ones in the middle are going to be the ones I use a lot, and then you'll expand out from there. And I got so overwhelmed, and now everything is just in a big jumbled mess, and I don't know where anything is at. <laughs> and it's been like that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I, so I was looking forever for that. You know what? Um, That's Jello being vacuumed, FYI. <laughs> um, I just found out on Goodreads. So part of my 2023 push is to just read more, mm-hmm. watch, watch more intentionally. So watch less things probably, but be intentional about what I'm viewing and then keep records of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So even like YouTube videos I've watched that I've enjoyed, there's no place to kind of keep them. I have a little Google doc and dragging stuff there. Well, you can make playlists on YouTube or you just hit the like button and it saves them to your liked videos. (laughs) I don't know the ins and outs of YouTube. I can't learn another system. Okay. Just make a playlist. I can I can copy paste uh-huh. a link. That's a lot of work. Control C, Control V. Yeah, you have to open up a completely different. Yes, you have to open up a completely different application. You have to leave the window you're on, and the window you're on, there's already a system for you to categorize the video. It literally takes one extra click, whereas now you're clicking into another application. <laughs> You're clicking Control C, you're clicking Control V, then you're clicking back to YouTube. That is a lot more work than just clicking the thumbs up or clicking the three buttons and doing save to playlists, liked videos. I was crunching on some chips, so I missed all that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what was I talking about? DD Mega Doo Doo. Goodreads. Right. So I logged back into my Goodreads account, which I think in like the hierarchy of social media apps or sites or whatever, mm-hmm. I think they're all pretty garbage. I think LinkedIn is like the worst. Mm-hmm. And Goodreads is like an inch above LinkedIn. Really? I feel I feel like. Uh, I don't know. Is Goodreads have like a social component to it? I guess it does. You yeah. have a profile and all that. Yeah, you have a profile. You can review things and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So anyway, I'm like, I'm just going to let me go back on my Goodreads account and let me try and log. The other thing, too, is I looked at it, There's like 89 books. And I'm like, I've read more than 89 books. In my life. I need to get that number <laughs> right up. I need, <laughs> I need to get it. Uh, to the appropriate like flex level Mm -hmm. um, of books I've read. So I'm going back and I'm logging old books. Mm -hmm. And after a while I realize, oh, I've logged this book twice. And I'm looking back and some of the books I've read are like completely wrong covers and all that. I was like, whatever. And I just realized you can select editions of books on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. So like some books you click on the little information tab it's like 330 editions. Mm-hmm. You can scroll through and then find your edition. Right. So I've been going back and finding the correct edition for all my books. Mm-hmm. And 
I gave up on that real quick. Yeah. But that was something where I was like, now that's going to bother me. Yeah. Now that I know that I could yeah. have, when I went through and logged. And then, then there's other things like, I've read all the works of Shakespeare. Not a flex. It's actually embarrassing. Because <laughs> um, I read it all in high school. Uh-huh. And uh, then you go on Goodreads. And it's like, do I log just the complete works of Shakespeare? Or do I log each one of his plays? Because both are on there. But it also feels a little too reductive to go on the complete works of Shakespeare and be like, five Mm -hmm. stars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's good. Yeah. You know, I kind of want more, like, the the Tempest isn't so great. Mm -hmm. Um, Hamlet, phenomenal. Right. So I went through and, and logged them all individually. And looking back at my list, I was like, God, what a nerd. Like, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't like myself, like, going through. Yeah. Oh, like, I think my number now, because I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to, like, reflect on what I actually remember reading. My number now is, like, at, like, 300. Yeah. So it's not, like, super intensive. But if you open it up, like, 30 of them are all Shakespeare plays. I'd be mm. like, God, this guy. I've never read any Shakespeare. I don't yeah. know how you can read. It's like a foreign language. Yeah. And reading in high school, there's definitely this feeling of, Multiple times when reading Shakespeare, and I will say this is true even today, unless you're like a, you went to school to study him. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone who reads Shakespeare goes through multiple like fugue states where you're like, this will make sense eventually. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, some word is going to pop up and I'm going to be like murder. Oh, he wants to murder him. Right. (laughs) Of course he does. You know, uh, what book have you read the most? Like multiple, how, like the mo the most times. The most. That's another thing that I was thinking about because every book I read with Indy has mm. been a reread, mm-hmm. obviously. So I don't know how to like. I could do multiple logs. I also set a reading goal for myself, but I'm keeping out the books that I'm reading with Indy. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of cheating. Hmm. No, why? You're still reading it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and edit. But, um, the, I mean, the one that I've read the most, there is one clear answer. And it it is, like, the oldest one, but it's one that I read as a kid and then just, like, went back to again and again and again. And that's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Mm. I That book blew my mind. Um, and another book in a close second that I'm thinking about introducing to Indy is Dracula. Dracula blew my mind when I first read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things you're trying to gauge, like, not just is it appropriate for him, but is he even going to get it because mm-hmm. the language mm-hmm. can be a little archaic. Um, what about you? What's the book you've read the most of? Uh, I think the book I've read the most is either Catcher in the Rye or... New York trilogy, or yeah. maybe even Thief of Always, because I read that multiple times as a kid. Yep, and then I've read it to the girls at least once. I read that with Indy. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah the 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 other thing, getting back into books more, just book culture, special especially like social media culture, mm-hmm. sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've only found like two people that I subscribe to um, to get book recommendations. That's the other thing is like there's so many books and so few good recommendations. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite books are all like three stars on Goodreads. Like New York Trilogy is like a three and a half star review. And I'm like, that's like, I don't care if you don't like it or not, but to not to, to read that and not see it as an author who's trying to say something beyond mm-hmm. the ordinary, I don't know. And and instead the one that the ones that always come up and you've read some of these too, right? Because you look you look for reviews or like the woman in the window. Yeah. You know, the girl on the train. Mm-hmm. Or, and it's just not nothing. It's just not good. Again, I'm gracious with books. So I'm, I'll, I'll still like finish those and be like, three stars. But I just don't get how those will be like four stars over four for crap like that. And then New York Trilogy. I also looked up um, the, the Road is well, well Reviewed. There's another book, a classic book that, that I just adore, and it's like hovering at like three stars. Mm. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What is this? And I I don't mind hating things, but man, book people love to hate shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Books are tough. I don't know what the deal is with, with that, but. I could never be an author. It's impossible to like find a good. It's just yeah, impossible to sort of keep up with it and to like some a lot of a lot of what I've noticed, a lot of the book culture feels just so like pragmatic, I guess. It feels compassionateless. It just feels like a lot of it just feels like, was I able to read this book? Yes. So that makes it a good book because I read it from start to finish. Uh I've I finished um that book uh, from the Rambo author, what was it called? Harvest Home. Okay. About a family that moves to the country. You know what? It is strangely, um, uh, not reminiscent because it came out in the 70s. It feels like there's some pretty major elements that, Midsummer may have pulled from it. Oh wow! Like pretty closely, um, but it's that kind of story. Basically, family goes to the to the country. They live in this very old way. They have a seven year ritual that they adhere to. It turns out to be weird. Um, a lot of it revolves around corn. My kind of book, yeah, yeah. And so when I'm looking at reviews for it, every other review, children of the corn, something about this is just children of the corn, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely nothing like children of the corn. I think it probably came out before that too. Yeah. But just like, who are these people? Did you you, you just key in on the fact? There's not even kids in the book. (laughs) They just talk about corn a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The other thing too is it's one of those, um, field as well where very quickly especially with books that people hate they, they're they quick to jump on the prose you know how they how they write their, their word choice and stuff like that and rarely on cri- critiques am I like you, you make a movie then shut mm-hmm. up make a movie but with books I kind of feel like 
can I just see a sample of your writing? Like <laughs> you, you have to submit a sample of your writing if you're going to make your, your primary critique like, oh, Hemingway yeah. with those short sentences. Right. Or, and you're like, yeah, okay, you write a sentence. Yeah. I, I, I would love to read your, your sentence when you're going after. The, the other thing is rarely do, I, I, I love lists. I'm all about lists. Mm -hmm. And rarely do I read a list, whether it's a good one or a bad one, um, that makes me angrier. <laughs> She's having a fight to the death with, yeah. her, uh, with her bed. But um, rarely do I read a list that makes me angry or feel passionately any sort of way. But reading one where somebody was just like, what are, the, what are your one-star reviews of you know, book, mm -hmm. your, your most dissenting one-star view mm -hmm. uh, reviews. And number one, books I understand by their nature are just easier to stop reading earlier, you mm -hmm. know? Films, and it, it's like stick, you stick out the hour and a half, and then you go out there and you say, that was crappy. Mm -hmm. But with books, it's so much easier to be like, hey, I'm not wasting eight hours of my life on this and right. closing leaf. But so many people are like, oh, I just catch 22 you know, read 10 pages, so confusing. One star. It's like, no, it's not a one star review. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. You didn't finish. <laughs> right. You, yeah. you then don't go and give it a one star review. Yeah. You know? And then the other thing is it was full of just like contrary takes that just can't help but feel. And again, I'm all about it for other mediums, but for some reason in books, it just feels so like attention seeking. You mm. know what I mean? It's just like people are, it feels like book people are just waiting to be asked that question. So they can jump in there and be like, you know, uh, Oliver Twist sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Why are you so passionate about this classic book that you hate and you just want yeah. to rant about? Oh, it's so overrated. It's like, I don't know, man. If the book is over 100 years old and someone's <laughs> still reading, leave it alone. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we have two episodes to to catch up on. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know that video. What was that from again? What was that from Some again? guy doing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, two episodes. Um, <clears throat> so last week's episode was called uh, Hold My Hand. Endure and survive, yeah, right. or survive and endure. One of those two. Endure and survive. And that was the one about the Henry blind kid. Blind? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you see we, <clears throat> we got a one-star review? Another one? Yeah. <clears throat> Wonderful. Um... But but now this is this is relevant. Okay. Well, he was deaf, not blind. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just It's been a week. Gotta, what do you want from me? Well, I just want what I just want the same thing that John wants. Okay. And John. And what does John want? 
Jesse and Keith have interesting enough personalities, but they are chronically unprepared. <laughs> for every How? podcast. That's not true. It's not just what they forget. It's not just that they forget important details between watching episodes and recording. You know what? I think it is. I think it's the fact that we acknowledge that we forget. They don't even seem to take notes to work from. I've got notes in front of me right now. I just can't help but think a little preparation before each show would go a long way. I have notes in front of me right now. make this a better podcast. I put links to all of the Reddit posts we talk about in every episode. Otherwise, why do a podcast for a show they don't even seem to take the slightest interest in? This is about Last of Us? Doesn't say which show. You know what, John? You can fuck off, okay? (laughs) Don't listen to the show. I don't care what you have to say because you're obviously not paying attention. And this is also what I would say. I don't think it's the fact that we forget things. I think it's the fact that we acknowledge that we forget things because everybody forgets things. You don't remember every detail of every single thing you watch all the time. Also, this is not a show. We're not doing a recap show. <laughs> We're not asking you to subscribe to Patreon, yeah. right? We're not giving you ads. We're just two guys talking to each other. <laughs> it just sounds to me like John doesn't watch with notes. Or he doesn't listen. Yes, exactly. He doesn't listen, he doesn't listen to our podcast exactly. with notes. Because L- if he did, he would notice that I mentioned my notes in the, the first couple episodes of whatever it was, Severance. I'll give it to you, right? Not prepared. Didn't take notes. da 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 after it picked up, started taking notes, started looking at the subreddit and saving posts and then linking those posts in the descriptions that we talked about. Yeah. So the other thing. Uh, Shove so, off, John. So I'll say two things. Number one, thank you for for reviewing. Don't know. Thank I'll ta- you. I'll take it. Number two. I love you. I don't love you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got a one star since we started saying I love exactly. you. <laughs> That's, that doesn't bode well for my theory. But. I will say two things. Number one, reviews like this do feel a little bit like you could write an email. Yeah, right? sure. Like, like you could be like, "Hey, you're not prepared. You don't sound prepared." Head heads up. If you want listeners, be be more prepared. Yeah. Thanks. Why has it come out in a one star review? I don't know. That 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 is to me a little debatable. Number two, you said it just to reemphasize. Like, we don't. I, I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for myself. I do not live up to the ideal of what I want. But what I want when I open up my podcast app, if I'm watching a show, is I want something that draws the line between someone who has taken meticulous notes and is going to walk me through second by second mm-hmm. what I just watched. Don't really want that much of a detail, exactly. right? Not, not interested. And the ones who will, cl- you know, put like Last of Us as their title episode, then you turn it on and it's them talking about everything but the show mm-hmm. because they rightfully get that like it's not important. It's it's goofy to think that somebody will want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are just people like me who I'm like, I would love just to hear someone talk about the show and bring up things that the show made them think about. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily... Here's every beat by beat and everything, but hey, I watch a show and it made me think about work, like with Severance. I watch Severance and here's what made me think about work and this is mm-hmm. what it made me read or or be curious about. So that's why I think we 
we want to do. That's what I strive to do. And so, yeah, it's more of like a conversation. There's so many shows out there where they're just going to walk you. Th- if you want to <laughs> recap, I don't, what is there to be prepared about with the last of us? <laughs> the show is not about anything. It's about people. Who, it's about people. It's about a zombie apocalypse and people surviving it. There's no like commentary. There's no larger message, right? So unless you want, us to get on here and just walk you beat by beat through the episode you just watched. What else is there to be prepared for? We talk about the characters. We talk about our feelings about the different things. Da, 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 da. There's nothing to be. I don't need to prepare for that. I know how I feel about it. Right. Can, can I also, uh, this goes back to a question that they asked when we started this show and I didn't even know why I asked it, but I keep coming back to it. We we just have kind of finished the run of very emotional episodes. Uh-huh. We had episode three, um, you know, with uh, what, what, Frank. Frank and Bill. Frank and Bill. Mm-hmm. Then you have Henry, Sam. And then you have this last episode, mm-hmm. which also had some emotional moments. Mm-hmm. At no point did I cry. Right. And that to me also speaks to like, why why are you watching like why am i watching the show i'm not watching the show like i I have no problem crying at stuff but shows like this don't make me invested in these people you know like i'm watching for the spectacle i'm also not the type of person there are plenty of shows and especially on youtube go watch somebody cry through the episode Mm -hmm. like who's just truly living every moment as if these people were like their friends. You know what I mean? You could, mm-hmm. wa- you could glut yourself on that content. But yeah, that's not us either. That's not me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, oh, Sam was like my son, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, this guy said, is just... Oh. <laughs> we're, we're reviewing the reviewer one star back first of all how dare you <laughs> from a whore <laughs> okay let me find something else make pancakes john yeah make i want pancakes that's who you sound like okay what i'll say is this is actually a good point i think okay because after watching, I do have notes, contrary to what John may think, I do have notes that I took after watching episode five. Part of those notes have to do with visiting the subreddit. And this guy, John, strikes me as someone who's on the subreddit because this subreddit has fallen so head over heels over the show that they're just looking for reasons to be mad at people who don't 100% embrace the show mm-hmm. for, for what it's trying to do, right? And it's so much so that it is making me like the show less. <laughs> and so I've had to stop looking at the subreddit. Yeah, But that's what this makes me think of. A angry video game guy who's upset that I'm not gushing over the show, right? But, you know, whatever. Your opinion is your, is your opinion. But I do take offense... Umbridge. To the idea that we're not prepared. I'll give Bobo Cramps the first couple episodes of Severance right on the money with that. After that, I've made it a point to be prepared. Take notes. 
I write those notes down. I save posts. We talk about the posts on the episode. I link the posts in the description. But what we don't do is walk through the show from minute one to minute end or, or whatever, right? We just talk about the show and how we feel about the show. That's what it is. Also, uh, along those same lines, and this also applies to some other stuff we've talked about before, but this specifically came from the subreddit. I'm implementing a new rule, Bill Maher style. New rule, right? Does he implement new rules? That's his thing, right? He goes, new rule, and then he says some stupid ass shit. Any argument you see on Twitter cannot be taken seriously. Okay. Any criticism of the show, any criticism of anything you like that comes from Twitter cannot be taken seriously, Mm -hmm. period. Because it's not a serious place. That's not a Bill Maher... That's an actual rule. That's my that's rule. A good, exactly. That's it. That's a going in. <clears throat> I just saw somebody. <clears throat> it's funny that you say that. I've been sending you a few of those videos um, of like the presidents and former presidents playing like Destiny yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, AI. Are the scripts AI generated or somebody? No, somebody's writing the scripts. The somebody's voices the are AI generated. And, and they AI generate the voices. But I just have enjoyed them. And then sure enough on Twitter, I just open up Twitter scrolling, not even looking for those videos or anything. Mm-hmm. Somebody posts on like, yeah, maybe the 97th will be funny. And I'm like, <laughs> why, why even can't like, come on. Yeah. You, you can't even take enjoyment from that. Yeah. Like you want to have, uh, they're 45 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. And they're hilarious. So anyway. You can't do it. It's the worst. And, and the people on the subreddit are getting so twisted over these obscure tweets of people who are just finding the stupidest shit to nitpick about the show. It's like, just for don't, it's not worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that is my new rule. Okay. No more Twitter crap. Um, I second it. Okay. So back to the episode, episode five, Henry and Sam, Sam. I'm not going to ask which one is the kid. Sam. Okay. Um, what'd you think of the episode? So they wake up in the thing, they're being held at gunpoint and then they, um, um, Henry has this plan to go through the tunnels, right? And that's the episode. First off, you, you realize that there are a few things that make this narrative a little different than other apocalyptic storylines and things that you need to have kind of storylines that feel familiar, like apocalypse, mm-hmm. zombie, to make it feel new. You realize like you need good actors. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's impossible to write a good script out of apocalypse zombie combo if you don't have someone who's able to like elevate that in the performance. And I thought uh, the actor playing Henry was like completely up to the task. And the writing is so good in its subtlety. And I've liked a few things so far this season. And that episode really brought out one of them that I'd noticed but wasn't able to articulate. And it's how they've allowed their characters to accept their 
shortcomings and to talk about it more openly. Mm-hmm. That they don't allow petty bullshit, even like emotional stuff, to overwhelm the decisions of the characters. Because really what we want to see is we want to see the narrative progressed. We don't want to waste time seeing played out narratives of like, you hurt my feelings or mm-hmm. I'm I'm brave and I need to play this part and I need to be shown I'm not as brave. So like Henry, when he's pitching his plan, he's open with like, yeah, I can't do right. this. Yeah. I'm not strong enough. I'm mm-hmm. not good enough. Like I need you, you know? Right. And I love how it plays out too in the next episode with, you know, Ellie, that these are characters who understand that their battle is bigger than their egos and that they've truly experienced trauma enough that they understand how valuable it is to have relationships. And so they're going to overlook a lot of stuff that maybe in other narratives could take up a whole, you know, episode, not to jump ahead, but the Ellie forgiving Joel in the last episode Mm -hmm. where he basically is like, you're not my daughter. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. That drama lasts a minute. Yeah. And the next day she's like, no, I'm still, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And then they move on because you're like, yeah, yes. Because these characters are not able to just kind of default to the petty bullshit stuff Mm -hmm. that would, you know, just inflate a normal drama, just hot, hot air it. Right. Yeah. So I thought that Henry, as the the driving force of this episode was fantastic and i really enjoyed it i if i wanted to nitpick it it does come down to the cgi and the big monsters at the end the, you know the the uh the slow-mo shot of a guy like doing it was it the guy there's like there's a slow-mo shot of like a guy doing a double take maybe or i remember there's a the slow-mo bloater. shot and it was so bad that it made me think my video was like buffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, you know, that that stuff to me, and it didn't really work as as well. But I mean, I thought that whole sequence was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the 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 design and the way the like just the spectacle of it was mm-hmm. great. And I didn't, I the CGI didn't do anything for like it didn't it didn't stick out to me at all really. Uh, except for that, well, that's not CGI, but that one slow-mo shot was bizarre. Um, well, that was him like looking at the bloater for the first time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that whole thing at the end was great. But yeah, back to the character thing, I think especially with Henry, Joel is obviously this type of character, but I, Henry does a really great job in that episode of being this type of character that is um, like realistically complicated mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and not just straight down the line a good guy or a bad guy he has his flaws he's done some bad things he's done some good things and none of it feels like they're just trying to like score points or mm-hmm. like trying to be like big boys or whatever it it feels like a really thought out um and really well written way to like have complicated characters and it works really well. I feel like ultimately I had no problem with this. Did you, did it register for you at all when Henry talks about the illness that Sam had and it was leukemia? 
Yeah, I guess I didn't feel any sort of way about it. But as soon as that came up, my first thought was like, there's no way that's not a death sentence in like this environment. Well, you don't get cured from that. Well, yeah, it, it, to me, it's like, I get it. This is an alternate universe and maybe they had alternative treatments. But uh-huh. I love how he also explains it like fir- firma. The, the, oh, the government. Oh, right. Fedra. Fe- Fedra. Uh-huh. He's like, where you go, idiot? You can't remember the name of the f- <laughs> corporation or well, whatever? I have my note. Look, here's my note. Uh-huh. Uh, Fedra, yes. Fedra. Um, he's like, and, and Fedra was running out of the medicine. Uh-huh. I'm like, chemotherapy? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I just, like, it just made me wonder, like, couldn't he have had Pneumonia? <laughs> right, yeah. Something that maybe more traditionally leads to deafness. Yeah. Oh, did you... Th- <laughs> you wait, you tied his deafness to his illness? Was that not why he had leukemia? The leukemia was just to keep him alive. Yeah. Or the leukemia no. plotline was just, just be like... Yeah. I don't think leukemia causes deafness. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> well, I never thought leukemia caused deafness. That's why it was so confusing to me. Well, we deserve the one. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it just it just made me think. Like, yeah, couldn't you have had a, a viral a viral infection? Yeah, antibiotics. But ultimately, I didn't care. I was like, yep, that's that, that, that that's fine. It was just. It, when he said the disease and it was leukemia, it just felt like, wow, they, he, he really was about to die. <laughs> like, holy cow. Yeah. It feels a little bit, um, overemphasized. Like yeah. You, you, you went, you went too high. Right. On the right. Disease list. Yeah. Illness list. So make it a disease that no one really knows what it is. <laughs> you yeah. Know yeah. I mean? <laughs> you could have, I mean, he's, he is young enough to have been born during the outbreak, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. You could have called it. He had, uh, Mushroom, right. <laughs> <laughs> you had fungal eye, yeah, and you know, fungal eye that's you need to get that treatment. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was the one thing I had about the about the illness. Um, okay, yeah, uh, like we we're talking about the end of the episode, I thought that whole sequence was great, no complaints. I did find it to be an interesting or maybe not even interesting, just like an an, iron, an ironic contrast to all of the praise the show got in the first or second episode when there was a lot of talk about how realistic the gunplay is and how mm-hmm. they're bad at aiming <laughs> and all that. And then you have this extremely video gamey sequence where Joel turns into like... Uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption. He's got like he's got his dead eye on, dead eye on, and can't miss. Um, and a ton of ammo they, and endless supplies. Although someone did say that there was apparently like a bucket next to the old man that yeah. was filled with ammo, and they made it a point to like give a quick shot of it or whatever. But yeah, yeah endless ammo, can't miss. But regardless, it was a really great sequence. Did you have a problem at all with the so the narrative was uh, I guess that makes sense Henry 
was like there are these tunnels. Mm-hmm. His Fedra guy said the tunnels had been cleared out. And they go down there and they see that somebody had been living down there. In fact, it almost felt like a lot of somebody's. Well, it had been cleared out of infected. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. But I wanted to know the timeline. Mm-hmm. So was it was the timeline that early on in the outbreak, people went down the tunnels? Mm-hmm. Then the tunnels mm-hmm. got overrun? Then Fedra came in? Then Fedra cleared them? And then no one else lived down there? Yeah. Or that Fedra cleared them and then those people went down in there and lived? Because mm-hmm. then where, where did they go? Right. And it didn't seem like Henry knew about who those people would have been. Exactly. He was just as surprised to see the room as anybody else. Exactly. So I guess with that narrative, because this is 20 years in the future, Mm -hmm. so people initially went down there and and it got overrun. Yeah. Which I guess guess makes it, but it made me think about the timeline of things. And then I was like, where did these people go? And why didn't anybody come back down once? Because they literally didn't, encounter one clicker down there. Mm-hmm. I thought there'd be at least one. So yeah. it's like, no. But I think that's great. I think that makes the sequence at the end even more impactful. A hundred percent. I want to, I definitely want to praise this show for how little they've relied yeah. on zombies. For sure. In it. it makes it feel unique. It makes it feel so much more exciting and interesting mm-hmm. when there are the action sequences. So, I completely, I love that they didn't encounter anything down there, mm-hmm. but it did make me wonder about the larger narrative of the tunnels and how people are using or viewing the tunnels. Or maybe why, why Fedra was keeping it so secret that they were so well cleared out if they weren't actually going to use them. Yeah. Or maybe more world building, like have them find like dungeon equipment, like they're going to use it for like a medieval torture mm-hmm. chamber. Uh, what did you make of Kathleen? So we had a little bit of talk in the episode before about Melanie Linsky and whether she's good fit for the role and the character and what the character is trying to do. Da, 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 da. Here's another, uh, argument for one in our preparation column. Mm-hmm. Another point there. I called that, that uh, th- this episode with Henry and Sam would have to start with her. And beyond just a little pre-credit setup, mm-hmm. that's exactly what the episode did. It started with her to give us a f- more fully fleshed out story, which, again, makes me feel like that probably should have been wrapped into the other episode. Because mm-hmm. the other episode had so little of her that you needed more of that context. So I was anticipating we were going to get more. And yeah, the whole first 10 minutes of this episode is is following her mm-hmm. um and so in the end i think that she absolutely works as a character this is the episode where she kind of explains again the other twist of her character is she understands that her brother would have wanted her to be merciful and her brother actually told her to be merciful right. well her brother was the leader and he was merciful exactly and everyone loved him and she refused you know that she understands all that and she is in full control of the decision she's making. I think that that's an interesting twist to an interesting way to write that character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, she, she kind of, she, I, I thought that her whole deal was 
just to be contrasted against her brother. You just have to wait, Charlotte, or re try restarting your iPad. I'll talk fast. Um, was she was contrasted to her brother in that her brother was merciful. Everyone loved her brother. He gets killed. And then she just sort of becomes singularly focused on revenge, which makes her completely unmerciful like her brother. I mean, did you get the impression that like she was made that way by her brother being killed see, or I, she was always that way? See, I think that's interesting. I kind of took it and I think you could go either way on the character. I took it as she's kind of using her brother as a shield for her own ruthlessness. Mm -hmm. That he says, you did more for us in 10 days than your brother did. Mm -hmm. And so literally what happened to Fedra, I believe has, has happened in the last like 10 days where she just wiped them out mm -hmm. just ruthlessly wiped them out now was that purely out of revenge i think you then have to look at how she treats henry where she doesn't she has him twice where she could just shot him mm -hmm. and she doesn't she does the villain monologue she thing. does the villain monologue yeah. thing, which makes me feel like again she is she's valuing the power dynamic so it's not just revenge mm -hmm. if it's cool revenge then the best thing you can do is just pop them in the head mm -hmm. i think about memento like somebody brought this up do you remember the picture in memento that they show them when they're like look you got the guy here's the picture mm -hmm. somebody on twitter posted they're like it's just funny to me that somebody looked at that picture and said yeah, that's the picture of a guy who just killed somebody. Like, <laughs> it's exactly how he's so ecstatic yeah. and happy. You know what I mean? Like, I just think about that picture. I'm like, that's a, that's someone who's purely driven by revenge. Yeah, and she doesn't strike me as that. She definitely strikes me as somebody who is ruthless and power hungry. So that would be my take. What's your take? Do you see? I, I yeah, I didn't see her that way. I guess. Which I think probably goes back to what I was saying before. I find I like the character, like I said, I like the character, like what they were doing with it. I liked what they were going for. I don't know if it is ended up 100% being a Melanie Linsky issue, mm. but <clears throat> I mean, the episode did do a little bit of work to explain towards explaining like why she's in power and why everyone respects her. But I just found it weird that you never see, like, you never see, like, a scary side to her. The scariest she gets is when she she's, like, sarcastic with somebody, like how a teacher would be sarcastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. her mean side. And I just found that to be a little strange. I, I think I love the character that is, that's written. I don't think that they gave, by, by the nature of the show, I don't think she had enough time to fully flesh sure. that out. Like, I love the idea of, like, somebody who is risen to power off the back of their brother, who everyone loved and respected so much that they will get behind the sister, who is the opposite. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
a tyrant risen on the back of a benevolent, mm-hmm. you know, family member. I really like that idea. And I, yeah, it makes me want to know more about a character like that. Um, but again, she only had the two and a half episodes, mm-hmm. um, which again is another credit to the show that they're like, we're, we're telling a very specific narrative that we have control of. We're not going to get lost in, in characters. We're not going to do lost, mm-hmm. right? We're not just going to be like, oh, this person was supposed to die, but oh, you like they that were, character. They were so great. We had to there, keep we, them. Yeah. We just had to keep Melanie Linsky on. So yeah. I think that she worked and I think there's more, her character's more interesting in what she, in the questions that she brings up more than what was portrayed. But again, screen time, what you have 18 minutes mm-hmm. all in all. Hard to hard to make an impression, but she didn't strike me as false. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I thought it worked. I liked it, and I it it's an interesting um, maybe contrast is not the right word, but it's interesting that her whole deal, you know, her whole speech at the end with Henry or at her end with Henry about you know sometimes kids die, and she's kind of trying to present this belief system of like things just happen and you have to be okay with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is the exact opposite, opposite of what she's doing. Exactly. Right. She's, she's, and, and to a greater extent, she's now cost, uh, so probably destroyed this entire group of people because of her single mindedness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that whole QZ or whatever society, whatever you want to call it is is done is is gone mm-hmm. right because of her basically yeah <clears throat> um and then the episode ends with sam getting infected and turning into a zombie did did that uh, walk me through the emotions of that did do you like how, how do you process Cause that, that obviously is like a very sad scene yeah no, no, number one you don't cry easily no. yet Mm-mm. Have you cried at like a movie or a show before? Uh, Marley and me. I <laughs> don't <laughs> laugh. Totally. Um, um, yeah. But no, that doesn't. Not really. I, I I'll cry at stuff. Um, but yeah, watching that, it was just really well. Again, I think for for whatever reason, I'm trying to I'm trying to find out why. I'm watching this a little more clinically than emotionally. Uh-huh. Like I have no pro- again, I have no problem. It just I don't know if it's just like the genre of it that is the remove for me or whatever. Yeah. But I love how they wrote Henry. Like the way yeah. that it all went down, the way that it was like an impulsive shooting of his brother mm-hmm. where it's like internally he knew what he had to do, but he couldn't process it. If he if he was forced to rationally bring himself to the point of you have to kill your brother, he couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. He had to do it on an instinct level. Right. And then the revelation of what he did comes to him. And I like how they reverse what normally happens. Right. Where somebody's just like, I can't, man. They're my brother, man. And yeah. you, you get 20 minutes of, you got to do it. Right. And, totally. I, I just love how this one played out. So emotionally, I think it it worked so well. Um, yeah, it definitely left me with a sense 
that I don't normally have of just like, wow, just like, holy shit. Yeah. That was pretty intense. Yeah. And and Ellie cutting her hand. Yeah. you, you know, and later in the next episode, she kind of references how I kind of knew that wouldn't work. Yeah, right. Um, But you're just hoping and how mm-hmm. she didn't even, again, she's immune. So, but she could have still said like, yeah, I want to get attacked. I'm going to get out of this. But she still slept with him. And mm-hmm. like, she, she was trying to believe that he was going to be okay mm-hmm. and was willing to put herself at risk to follow that belief through. Um, again, I think a beautiful moment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, how all the little moments come back where what Joel experienced in that moment again, comes back in the next episode, which again, to me feels like people who know the narrative they're telling is that they can refer back to little moments, how Joel felt like he couldn't, he just had to watch what played out and Mm. how slow he was. There's that move he makes towards the gun when Henry shoots in front of him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love how they clearly wrote the scene to be emotional, but then they also staged it to maximize the character telling, how the characters are processing this and what it's going to mean for them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was all wonderful. Then he digs the grave and kind of going back to why I referenced before, Ellie's just like, which way is West? That they're not going to, you know, she's devastated, mm-hmm. you know? And it and it's not diminishing that to not give her a two-minute scene where she gets to, like, cry and open up about it. It makes it even more meaningful for her to just be like, let's go. What's next, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought the ending was really well done, really powerful. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it was a great episode. Yeah. Um, definitely an elevator down episode, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll use this. This was uh, sort of uh, just sort of a stray thought I had after watching the episode, episode five, that I think gets addressed, uh, weirdly enough, in episode six. So I'll ask it to you now. We have all of these post-apocalyptic things right last of us the road station 11 station 11 escape from l uh, from new york escape from la uh you know whatever mad max and world war z world war z the running theme and all of these that i don't really i guess i've never kind of thought about you always just kind of take it for granted is that the world ends or there's some sort of event worldwide event or catastrophe and it always devolves into lawlessness outlaws cannibals societies people murdering each other do you think that that's actually what would happen you know what i think would happen this for some reason this came back recently in some social media i don't know why but it made me want to rewatch it so bad and i can't believe I haven't thought about it more. Um, Children of Men. Mm -hmm. Children of Men, I think, is more realistic in terms of how society would respond to an event, Mm -hmm. to society collapsing. And what you see 
is a very kind of like, and and again, I think it, I think it depends, right? Like if we're talking about worldwide, I can't say what would happen, but in America, mm-hmm. I feel like there would be a extreme crackdown of order, so mm-hmm. you would have a huge dichotomy. But I don't think that you would ev- immediately have people who are like, I can finally be the cannibal I've always wanted to be, <laughs> right. you know. But I think that there would be huge amounts of strife that would be open. The things that we debate about now or that we see played out in society would just be played out more violently. They're already played out pretty violently, actually, you know. But I think that people would just be more openly um, hostile towards government and government would also be more harsh. Mm Mm-hmm towards you know dissenters Mm -hmm. and then i think i would totally die very quickly (laughs) because i think that would be in the dissenters but i think the dissenters would also have the the wackos like it would be it'd be even harder to find your people in the it wouldn't be like hey we're all dissenters you know you'd be like yeah we can finally have our ethno state you know it's like (laughs) no idiot that's not we're my people yeah Uh, and then i'd get you know eaten by the ethnostate people. But yeah, I think it'd be more of like a political um, structured collapse, more like warfare. It would, it would be like war, mm-hmm. uh, a long protracted drawn out, just guerrilla warfare. Yeah. That would be, be the collapse. <clears throat> yeah. It seems to definitely make sense, right? That society collapses and then, there's just no good way to sort of regain order. And so you just get pockets of but you incivility, do, basically. You, you do think that people would turn more violent, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of was my question, is that seems to be the sort of given, right, which I think makes sense. Um, but I just kind of was thinking, is that really a given? Uh, and then we kind of see that with episode six, Um and not to jump ahead too far, because I want to talk about the beginning where uh, Joel finds Tommy in Wyoming. But episode six opens with maybe my favorite moment from oh. the show so far. That whole exchange oh. in the cabin was great. So good. That that was, again, it just shows their confidence and their deftness mm-hmm. that like, they know they have this great scene. They know exactly what to do with it. And then we're moving on. Yeah. And other shows would make it like, let's hang out with these characters. Let's overdo it. Right. Yeah. 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 That, that whole sequence was really great. I thought, and it was just pitch perfect. The humor was great. Everything about it was so good. Um, so then, and we, we get the introduction. Another thing that I love the panic attacks, which we haven't oh, seen right. mm-hmm. Joel suffer from, but it's like, look what he's done. Are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. of course he would start having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that goes back to not just the trauma of the last event, you know, the, the trauma of what he's done since the outbreak, but I do think Henry and Sam affected him greatly mm-hmm. and yeah. um, has kind of triggered these or help trigger these uh, these panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they start traveling further west. They get to the River of Death. Is that what they called it? The dam. The dam and then the River of Death. 
And so I'm assuming the river of death is Tommy's click, right? I, I definitely get the sense that those people seem to be about perpetuating a myth mm -hmm. and building it out with God knows what they do. Do they drag? But they were dead? getting ready to hang somebody, right? Yeah. They, when they're they were walking the through the town. Yeah. They, they, you know, yeah, it made me think like they definitely do things to help perpetuate this idea mm -hmm. because those two people should go live with them. They'd be great. Mm -hmm. They'd fit in perfectly, but they don't want to go close to them because of, again, whatever they're doing, it's, it's spreading. Like, people know to stay away. So, yeah, God knows what that is. And do, do you wonder if they're going to explore in the show, if they're just going to be like, yeah, just accept it. These people, you know, most people are scared, and they're just playing up, yeah, be scared. It's, well, I mean, Tommy's there. So it seems like they have to come back at some point. And it, I think the way the show has played things so far, I don't think it's, was just like a coincidence, right? I think there is going to be a lot darker stuff happening. Associated with those people? Yeah. Um, what did you make of... Like the lottery? Shirley Jackson's the lottery <laughs> situation? Is that where people get stoned to death? Yeah. Yeah, you got to draw your number. Um, what did you make of the scene with Ellie and the dog? Did you think the dog was going to smell something? Yeah. So the way that I will say that's one of, it was an awkward editing mm -hmm. choice. And I get it because when you're working with an animal, it's it's hard. But mm -hmm. you kind of, I kind of wanted to see the whole situation play out. Mm -hmm. See the dog approach it. Because the way that they cut it was this dog is on alert. Mm -hmm. This dog is like. <laughs> ears back sensing something yeah slow moving cut to joel joel can't do anything dog's licking her face all right and you're like she that, also looks terrified she they're looks exchanging glances that if anybody saw those glances they'd be like oh she's been she, infected yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks terrified also like dogs are sensitive to just that yeah. energy like i just can't imagine even me walking in here being tense and have your dogs just be like, yeah, we don't care. I imagine they'd be like, what's, what's going on? Yeah. So yeah, for that dog to move from like, this is like, I'm picking up on something to like, I like you. Yeah. yeah. The other reason I'm realizing now I felt weird about it is thinking back to the earlier episode, episode one or two, where the um, guard, the patrol guy, tests her with the thing right mm -hmm. and it comes back as positive mm -hmm. and that's why joel beats him to death mm -hmm. but then i mean i guess you could just ex explain it as like maybe this dog doesn't actually smell the disease and these people are fooling themselves <laughs> but we have one instance of like her a test proving that she has the disease and now we have another instance of another test saying she doesn't have the disease the the thing so reading into the editing of the store uh, editing of the scene which again maybe it's maybe it's just hard to, you can't direct an animal mm -hmm. but the feeling that guys they're trying to convey that the dog knows that there's something off about her mm -hmm. but the infection 
if it's enough for her to test positive, is minimal enough that she smells human, mm-hmm. you know? So if it's like an like an 80-20 thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, the dog is picking up on something, but not enough for it to, like, mark her. Sure. Um, the other thing, too, is they're super smelly. Like, they probably smell <laughs> <It's true>. terrible, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and so, like, I think with all those smells, it's probably harder for the the dog. Like, maybe if she was, like, cleaned, mm-hmm. wearing clean clothes, the dog would respond differently. But maybe in that situation, there's enough masking where it just, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it thought it was smelling the infection on the clothes, which mm-hmm. I guess could happen. Um. Okay, so they get taken back to the thing. They find Tommy. Tommy's getting married. Or Tommy's married. The He's hug, having a baby. The bro hug. The bro the hug. hug. So I made a note of this. Uh-huh. This is what I want to ask you about. Have you ever hugged somebody with closed fists? When Joel gives him a hug, he hugs him and his fist, he's making a fist. He's feeling the moment so much. Have you ever done that? Closed fist. I can't say that I, I'm going to say yes, just because I want to throw you your, know who else your argument does out of that? the window. <laughs> Basketball players. Yeah. LeBron does it all the time. It's so strange. I've never in my life thought to give someone a hug with my fists. Hmm. You're not a hugger. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. But even so. Well, I'm going to hug you before I leave tonight. We'll see how you. See, see Maybe it's I, like a. He's like, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to be a man about it. I'm going to have a. I'm going to make a fist. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That seems weird to me. <laughs> You want open palms of friendship, of brotherhood, <laughs> right. not closed fists right. of aggression. Um, that's kind of all I had for the rest of that episode, though. What I mean, if he was hugging him and his middle fingers were out? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why was he, why are his middle fingers extended? Yeah. Uh, they have their their lunch. Their meal. Their meal. Which Ellie's never had. Right. She's T- Tommy's swearing. having a kid. Ellie's, yeah, Ellie's doing her Ellie thing where she swears a bunch. Tommy's right. married. You talk about they have, they finally have their sort of, Joel and Ellie kind of have their sort of break point, which was always inevitable. Um, well, oh, but before we get there, I, I also, I love the little beat of communism. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's how... You know, everybody talks about like how to how to write any kind of like socially mm-hmm. conscious references, how quickly it devolves into or distracts in the narrative. It's like that's a clever way of doing it. Just mm-hmm. like a guy, that's all you need to know about Tommy. Like he's like, no, this isn't communism, right? Yeah, it is. And it's just a beat. And then you and move on. It looks like a confused dog confused almost. Dog. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, I understand everything about his past. Like, yeah, he yeah. was definitely on the right side of things. Yeah. Definitely anti-communism. And hey, you need more of a communist setting to survive right. in this. Like mm-hmm. capitalism will falter in that in that situation. Right. So we don't and we don't need to beat on it's just it's yeah just it doesn't actually have to true. dwell on right it just is a, a little throw almost a throwaway line yeah but yeah it's done so well and yeah i mean it speaks to like uh, we've said about the, the show is just 
insanely well written and stuff like that stuff like the opening scene is this is all in the same sort of class to me it's just is so well written and so well acted um it's great uh so yeah the, then um you know you get to see a little bit of ellie uh you get to see sort of a little bit of how ellie is uh, you know, not like the other girls, quote mm-hmm. unquote. She mm-hmm. hasn't had this normal childhood that all, all these other kids have had. And so she kind of seems to be way out of her element, you know. And Another moment I like is that she walked out of the movie. Uh-huh. Number one, I was thinking, oh, what movie? Um, it was Close Encounters, right? Was it? I couldn't I couldn't place it. But Richard also, Dreyfus, right? Yeah, I mean, I, at first, I don't know why but if it was close encounters it makes sense that initially i was like what if they show jaws but i was like no you wouldn't want to show any <laughs> like action thriller right uh-huh. um movie and i couldn't place it but, but i do like that they didn't even they didn't even give themselves the out of like oh look at the beauty of cinema here's a girl who maybe never got to watch a movie and she she'll just like eat up anything it's like no she doesn't really get movies she's like why why would people care about that? Right. It, their arc is mirrored in the film scene in this pivotal episode, The Goodbye Girl. The Goodbye Girl is the movie playing in the background. I have no idea what The Goodbye Girl is. See, I, like, I was trying to place it. And I was like, I have no idea what this but movie is. But it does is. have Richard Dreyfuss in it. Hmm? You recognize Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's turned into a right-wing wacko, too. No, did you know that? Son, I thought his son did. No, Richard Dreyfuss has. Richard Dreyfuss yes. has turned No, Big are you time. serious? Mm-hmm. Um, he was just on maybe Glenn Beck. He was just on one of those shows, but yeah, no he's, way. I'm gonna, he's, uh, Oh, his whole thing is I gave up acting for the one thing for the only thing I loved more than acting. And that's to save this country. Um, okay. So yeah. So, so she leaves, I'm gonna, Oh, sh- the first article, I tell you, Richard Dreyfus, longtime Democrat, Richard Dreyfus explains why he went to Ted Cruz rally. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, so that's the episode. They, uh, oh, that's not the episode. Jeez, Louise. So they go to, um, they go further out west. Where's Wyoming at? They go like southwest. <laughs> Where's Wyoming at? <laughs> to Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah, um, Colorado. <clears throat> to the University of Colorado. So, yeah, we, we kind of talked about it, but before we go on, so you you have the you you have the the other thing too is I like that Ellie listens in on their conversation, but they don't show you. It's not like mm, oh mm-hmm, here she is, mm-hmm. you get to see her. It's not salacious or anything. It just is like yeah. yeah. She at some point she heard them talking. She heard enough. She went back to her room. She's like, yeah, I heard you just ditch me. Mm-hmm. Did you have the the same reaction that I did when she mentioned his daughter? Of like, Ugh! like that was probably the most I physically responded to the show at any moment. I was like, you I was like, know, I guess I don't fully understand Joel's hesitance. You know what I mean? Like, I understand it. 
logically, I understand that his character is a character that doesn't want to talk about that thing and doesn't want other people to talk about that. But I don't understand it emotionally. And I guess I just don't really feel it. It just kind of feels a little rote or mechanical to me. You know what I mean? Mm. It feels a little not contrived necessarily, but like it, it feels a little bit like just a story device. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I knew her bringing it up would be not good, (laughs) but I just don't fully feel it. Although, and I guess at this point I would imagine they're going to have other conversations about it now Mm -hmm. that he's sort of, he, he, he's come to terms. You feel like, you know, that, that morning when she comes out and he's like, yeah, I figured you should have the choice to me felt like him accepting the, the, this idea where again, he, he may not be willing to say like, okay, I'm your father, but he's, come to terms with the way that she views him mm-hmm. and has accepted that, which is more of a father figure, you know? Um, and I thought that that was really well, really well handled. Um, so yeah, now we can, they go to Colorado. Yeah. So they go to Colorado, they go to the university. Is legal. Oh, right. right? So <laughs> yeah. they hit the dispensary. They toke it up, <laughs> right? They get zooted. Uh, so they go to the University of Colorado, and this is where they're supposed to be finding the Firefly group, right? There's Firefly people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the university is abandoned. That, that was something I kind of couldn't get past was as soon as you walk in and see the shape that it's in, you know that nobody's there. You don't need to go to like the third floor and scare some monkeys away and then find a map where they've drawn like lines to where they're going to go this is where to realize, going. oh, everybody left. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if, we're, if we're nitpicking, maybe it's because the show does this so so infrequently. Um, that when they do it, it stands out. But that was yeah, definitely one of those moments sure. where it's like you're riding up where the fireflies should be and no one, there's clearly guard posts. Yeah. No one's there. The first thing you do is hide your horse and then you sneak slowly in if you go in at all. But Joel's like, well, just hitch the horse, mm-hmm. just walk in. Yeah, that's a little bit like, that doesn't feel like Joel, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. Uh, and then they get attacked. The guy swings the bat and it breaks, breaks on but then the, he stabs him with the broken handle. Mm-hmm. Um, Take the L, man. Right? Yeah. As soon as you miss the person that you're <laughs> swinging at the bat, I feel like it's a fair, in all fairness, you have to drop whatever's in your hand Yeah. and then take what's coming to you. Because you had your, he wasn't looking at you, you know? Yeah. You, you missed your shot, so but he didn't fight fair. And then... Joel, obviously, not actually dead. Although the episode ends with him being dead. Oh, he's dead. Uh, But what I do like about that is how, um, and this is also kind of what we've been talking about before, but how that whole sequence is kind of unceremonious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not this long, dragged-out thing. It's not overly dramatic. It just is, I've been stabbed in the gut. Get me on this horse. 
rewrite out and in I'm gonna fall 30 seconds and- later, I'm just going to fall off and die. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously I don't think he's dead now, but I could see in the future if he dies or if a character like that dies, like, kind of like Tess, I do like how sort of unceremonious and sudden it it is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I think there's probably part of that that could feel very unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they do it well. Um, so I was wrong in my theory, my guess. And listen, I didn't really believe I was just trying to move. Which, what was your theory? Now, I, I, kn- I know what the theory was, but remind people who listening who might not remember what that the theory That Tommy is. was ready to sacrifice himself to oh, be right. a, mm-hmm. a test subject of Ellie's well, and to be fair, blood miracle cure that could still happen. Yeah. I wasn't expecting Tommy to show up this early in the season. Yeah, yeah, it, it, but, but I don't think so because Tommy's whole thing now is like I need to play it safe. Yeah, you know. Um, but do you have a theory on how Joel's getting out of this? Out of being stabbed in the gut? I have a theory. I have um, another one. No, he just lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. So I want a, a higher review because we're willing to go out and put uh-huh. our reputations on the line. Yeah. And say someone has been living in the trains, used to be like a train uh-huh. operator, sees this go down, gets Joel in. Okay. Ellie tells him about where this other, you know, Fort is where uh-huh. this other place is, and Q- QZ, he, yeah. And he knows, I guess it's not QZ, it's the fireflies. Yeah, he knows the rail lines to get okay. to get them back to Wyoming, yeah, where they need to go. Oh, well, that's what I was going to ask. Are they going back to what are they going back to Wyoming or are they going somewhere else? Because when they showed up, they said Joel said something about it only took us five days. Yeah. And so five days seems a little bit too long for the condition Salt, that he's in. Yeah, Salt, well, no, Salt Lake City uh-huh. in Utah it has to be farther than five days away from, where, from, Colorado. from Colorado. Yes. So where are they going to go? The only place that Ellie can think of is back to Wyoming. Is back to Wyoming. So my, my thinking is her idea is going to be we need to get him back to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It's the only place that she would know. And she needs help. So who's going to help her? Well, none of the fireflies have stuck around. That's the there. crazy old guy in the train. The crazy old train man. <laughs> okay. The, the, the locomotive operator. Sure. Who's been hiding out in the trains and keeping it, keeping it ready to go in case he needed to. Or maybe he's been working to get back up to snuff and now he's one piece away. They, they, they truly go like video game narrative and she has to go on a fetch quest. <laughs> to get, I just need this need one, one axle bandage. rod. I need <laughs> three roots. Yeah. I can, I can uh, fix this wheel gap. <laughs> I just need uh, four twigs and right. yeah, some, a beehive, some honey. Yeah. Okay. So there are, that was episode six. There are three episodes left. Seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Funny joke. Mm. Is it though? Seven eight nine. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Um R.I.P. Yeah, true. Uh all right. Anything else? No, I mean, you don't wanna 
though, uh, put your reputation on the line? Am I? Do, do you want to just back up? Might you want to jump on my? Oh, um, that, um, I that makes sense to me. It makes a lot more sense to me than Tommy sacrificing himself made sense to me. Oh, oh, you know what I hope they don't do. Tommy followed them. Oh yeah, that would be cringe, bro. That would be cr- for five days. He's been yeah. No, that's I don't think behind. that's what they're gonna do. Let me see. What are they? I. Th- I I guess if anything, I would think they just ride back to Wyoming. Although you would think, how is Ellie going to know how to get back to Wyoming? But yeah, I think the broader idea of someone else is close by makes sense and helps them in some way. Maybe not again. For the listener's sake, where did this train come from? They talked about a train in the episode. What do you mean? You're saying there's a guy that lives in a train. He fell right by train tracks. Oh, at the end of the episode. Yeah, okay. they're, they're, they're right by, there's there's yes. train cars uh-huh. right there. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking they were supposed to be following like a rail line or something, and that's what you were talking about. But no. Okay. He just, he just died by a... <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Of course, it's brilliant. All right. I love being your tile coach. I love you. I love being your tile coach. Bye bye. Even you, John. Bye bye. No, fuck John. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.